Good morning. My name is Christina Kadimis, and I am a member of the Bojangles Coliseum community group, uh, led by the Presnells. This morning's reading is from Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no, no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And, um, yeah. We have the um, structure here today. I don't, I don't know what's going on with this thing. Um, when we were at the Neighborhood Theater, um, I can't tell that story. I can't tell what kind of structure they had and what was going on. Okay. Can't tell that story. I'll tell y'all in private when it's only grown folk. Okay. We had all kinds of things going on at the neighborhood theater. Okay. For those who know that story, go ahead and laugh. For those who don't, ask me later. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. All right. We continue in our American Idol sermon series, um, and uh, today, um, today's sermon reminds me of a story. Now, my son, the one in the story, is 20 now, but you know how you go to these birthday parties, right? He went to somebody's birthday party. He might have been six or seven, maybe. And they always give you these party gifts in a little bag. And he brought home, I'm, I'm going to say the infamous, because it ain't good, wooden plane. Y'all know about them little wooden planes? And you, you know, put it together, you slide the wing through, and then you put the little weight on the nose. And we went out planning a full day of flying. Y'all laughing because y'all know where this is going. The first flight, oh, it was beautiful. Hit the ground, and that was it. <laughs> you kind of know it's not supposed to last long, and you know the wing gets a little twisted, a little off, and then it doesn't matter how many times you try to readjust it. 
it never flies again like that first time. It like tricks you. And, um, and, and, it's supposed, and it feels, life feels like that sometimes. Like God has given us something and called to something that when pushed too hard or even just right, with all the hope, with all the expectations, maybe it worked right the first time. When pushed too hard or even just right is doomed to disappoint, doomed to hurt and fall apart and not fit right. Just sort of to make us suffer, right? Just, just forgetting it and, and being here and, hey, Lord, thank you for the gift of life. Crash. And I will tell you, I was tempted just because of the kind of person I am, um, not just because of my son, but, but to, to find the super glue to fix it. But when you pay 50 cents for a party favor, it's not made for super glue. I thought about the gray tape. Nope, tried that. The more we tried, the more it seemed to fall apart. And then I thought I'd go and, and get the real deal like I had when I was a kid. See, I had the Planet of the Apes styrofoam glider. Okay, I know I'm telling my age here. But Planet of the Apes was a TV show, not a movie, right? And, 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 and you know, and, and so the, the glider was like this long, right? It's styrofoam. And they had a long tape thing with the, 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 the characters, and they'd be sitting on the plane like this long strip. Woo! And that thing would go forever. Even if a little styrofoam came off, you could still drop, go. And I'm like, son, we're going to go get a long styrofoam monster glider. <coughs> or the other option is just to give up. That's it. And go in for the night. Now that situation is just a simple sample size that shows us that we can have and live with no category for disappointment, for pain, for being unsatisfied. And not that there is anything inherently wrong with seeking improvement or escaping or putting some glue on it or tape on it or relieving pain. It's when we are hindered and say, nope, right? In a call or mission to improve and make better and help others and serve and walk with God. If it involves discomfort and suffering. That American idol of what I call the idol of comfort-filled and suffer-free living offers us a false freedom in three ways I hope we will see, receive today. First, the idol of comfort-filled, suffer-free living, I'm only going to say that a couple of times, offers us freedom from pain. Secondly, it offers us a false freedom from dissatisfaction. And finally, it offers us freedom from having to depend on God's grace. Just an aside here, I want to clarify something, and I already hinted at it. Suffering because of injustice or oppression or abuse is not the same thing, you know, that people say to oppressed and abused, right? Just wait. Just wait it out, right? I am not saying stay in those situations. Like the, the Bible was misused to, to, to keep folks enslaved and, 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 and imprisoned and, and women were misled to stay in there even if they were abused relationship. No, that's not what I'm saying. 
The eschatology of the Bible says that we do fight and live out divine dissatisfaction, as Martin Luther King Jr. coined it, and suffering for and because of the plight of those who have no hope. No revelation view of life like we read here, or, 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 or um, we want to make sure that we are helping those who have no hope or no revelation view of life or are in danger of not seeing God because they're suffering so badly. Therefore, suffering, hear me, is a subset of divine protest and mission for dignity and worth and God's good in the world. So I'm not talking about giving into suffering for suffering's sake. That is individually and socially sadistic. Biblical suffering says God has called us in a fallen, sinful world of sinners who are called and transformed by his grace and recognize that the way forward and upward, not just for us, but for the sake of bringing others along and for God's glory is by the way of the cross. In other words, it is a path riddled and promised to have suffering here and there. But the idol of comfort-filled, suffer-free living offers this false freedom from pain. The context of Revelation that we read is worldwide, and it's basic, right, for all humanity. It's, it's an all-things kind of picture. This is the final wrap. There is no post-credit scene, right? This is it. And it talks about the complete end of the fallen nature of things, the end of Murphy's Law, the end of struggle being real, the end of gravity being your enemy, the end of death and fire and disease and famine and, and those bugs you hate, and, and too many hot days and hurricanes and terrorist attacks and invasions. You get the point. That is what is being celebrated and promised here in this part, in, in part in this passage. But also, it's the end of hurt that comes in relationships with people. Understand that the people who received this book, it's, it's almost like a bad joke, right, in some ways. That they were a persecuted group, this church that received this. And, and, and hearing this, and, and they want freedom right now from pain and being hated by their government because they are believers in this new Lord Jesus. They are a group that is despised by others and having to live in a world of relationships that hurt. We all want to stop the hurt of this world and its people and live in the picture of this passage. We actually want an end of tears. But we want it now in our way. We want a life and place and position that will put an end to the hurt. That will make hurt as not a part of the plan or purpose and have a place in our lives. And we act and live as if we can, we individually can usher heaven and heaven's environment now with our actions or inactions. Because we have believed that we should not struggle or hurt like it's not part of the deal. And we are right in part. Hurt is part of the result of a fallen world. But we have decided to find a new God whose world and whose religion, or, or take this Bible and kind of twist it into, into a new message, right? We're looking for a provision that includes no suffering, no pain, and no hurt that upholds our thought that we should not, don't deserve it, and that there is no benefit in suffering in this fallen world. 
You ever wonder why the pharmaceutical industry is so big? Because we need drugs, okay? I'm here with you. But in large part, we cannot suffer. Let me explain what suffer means here. Like, no pain at all cost. Have you seen the side effects on some stuff? I don't care. <laughs> when I'm hurting, or if this drug will help me lose weight real fast, it may cause this, this, this. You may die. Good deal. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. I don't, you don't have to work out. You can just lose all, you can be buffed by doing this. You may lose a limb. <laughs> cool. I'll really lose weight, right? You know, talk about the antibiotics have to get stronger and stronger. Some medical treatments are pushed to the limits, even hurting our bodies. Because we, you know, here's the crazy thing. We don't want to be inconvenienced of taking the time to recover naturally at home. We can't leave work. There's too much money. If it's not money, it's reputation. So-and-so never missed a day of work. Good, but, but they, their bodies are falling apart. But they didn't miss work. Great. Miss work if you're sick. <laughs> or having to take care of somebody who's sick at home. I don't have time for you. Right? Take these pills. Get better now. Please. I can't suffer with you. We just believe we are above having trouble. The amount of debt we have and money spent to escape out of God's world to your own. You see, the idol of comfort, of suffer-free living cost a lot. We drop out from things and situations that might actually need us and benefit from us, right? right? That may make us have to go an extra mile. We don't want that. Let me tell you who we want it from, okay? <laughs> this is so funny because I thought about this. We want it from our athletes, don't we? If, one of our, if, we're, if we're, our football team's out there and our quarterback gets a little tweaked ankle, what do we say? Shake it off. <laughs> Get back in the game. Rub some dirt on it. Something he ain't really hurt. Get back in there. And we look on Monday morning injury report. So-and-so has a, 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 a knee that just blew apart into 50 pieces. Put some tape on it. We need you. Right? But we don't mind if we fall out the game. Some of you are simply running from the game of life. We look at that old wooden glider called life, and we opt for an electric train. Some of us opt for watching TV or throwing a ball, right? We give up. Some have chosen professions all to avoid suffering and hurting for money, right? We don't want the pressure. We don't want the attention. Some have second thoughts about being teachers or stay-at-home parents. Trust me. I mean, Kelly, our life is in primarily a nonprofit sector, right? Even your jobs, right? Non-corporate. It just doesn't make the kind of money you see in Charlotte. I mean, my goodness. Lord, have mercy. 
Nobody wants to be a teacher, a police officer, a firefighter, a nonprofit working, helping folk who underserved and un... Nah, man. We like you. We just don't want to be you. Praise God for our teachers and police officers, but nobody wanted. Right. Now we should, now, now, here, here's the thing. Now we should fight for better pay for teachers yes. and police officers, right? And caregivers and civil servants. I'm not trying to be political now. <laughs> Don't be trying to use me. Don't be, I'm going to go ahead and say, blah, 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 I'm messing up the sound bite for all the politicians. <laughs> Boy, politicians love gathering sound bites. You saw that in the uh, justice hearings this week. They're just trying to get some B-roll on both sides. Right, but caregivers, civil servants, we love you. I agree, but guess what? If the fight will require suffering, did you know that? Your tax bill might go up. Uh-oh. I didn't know. I was going to have to pay for teachers to get more money. <laughs> they were just going to get it because we just liked them. It was going to be manna from the sky, right? Right? Or it may mean, oh, this is a hard one, especially for us Christians. It may mean possibly less private and even less private Christian school money. Going there instead of to our civil servants. Or are kids actually going there instead of dropping big money on these schools and you being in the PTA? Oh, Charlotte is home of the parochial school. We got to keep the Christian values. What is the Christian value? Safety and comfort for your kids? For God's kingdom. Not to say that one's wrong or right, but have we thought about it? No, because the one might mean suffering. What if our kids don't get in the advanced area we want them to? Oh, boy, it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world if they don't get into Harvard. Oh, my gosh. Some, on the other hand, have, have, don't want to be corporate. On the other side, see, there's, there's, no, there's no prejudice here. We don't want to pop. Punch the clock. We don't want to work under some authority, right? We don't want to wear a uniform. I remember reading a book called A Creative Class years ago. It is good, but sometimes all the creative class people, it's a result of having not be, not, of, of being able to escape things that are hard and hurtful and painful and having a boss and being on time. Right? Boy, some of us... Most of us hated the COVID years. Some of us loved it because we could play solitaire without anybody seeing. Right? Well, we don't do that anymore. We could, social, we could be on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Some of y'all ain't, no, some. Most of us ain't working on eight-hour days no more if you're working from home. You know you're going to get in that sandwich and then going back. And then on the way to get the sandwich, you're sort of watching a little bit of Judge Judy. We know. I can do it while I'm watching my show on Netflix. No, you can't. You're using their money to watch Judge Judy. That is some expensive Netflix. And it extends to our relationships and seriousness, right? Why won't you won't commit? Because committed relationships are a contact sport. And you want something safer. 
You know, and some of us in school, why not play with the kids whose plane still works? We say to our relationships and people we are in with them, if you are going to stick with this broken old plane or be a broken old plane, I'm going to move on and play with someone else who has something that won't break and hurt my chances at success so badly. You know, we will actually abandon and avoid real relationships and people who come with faultiness. I think about our marriages. Some have just given up because it isn't bliss. It's not the way it's supposed to be, because it makes you, all right, surprise, it makes you lose some things, right? And I'm telling you, the Canties and the Moors and their premarital counseling stuff, they try to tell us. <laughs> and then after we married, they try to tell us again. And we believe it for that first hour afterwards. But as soon as somebody lets us down, we're like, I ain't supposed to be in this. This ain't for me. I got to look out for me. I got to look out for number one, right? I got to do me. And if you can't help me do me, it ain't no us. That's what we think. Marriage is great. There are many benefits. Yes, it helps build things and grow things. And yes, there can be success as a result of it, right? But it makes you lose. You will suffer something. There will be pain, and sometimes pain is silly, but it hurts bad. Man, I tried to tell her that I wanted this, and then she responded this way, and I'd be mad and hurt over something stupid. You know what? Marriage can make you feel better and worse, <laughs> sicker or poor, until death do you part. So turn, you know, this is what we do. We turn to quicker, fuller, prettier in affairs. We overwork on our job as long as we don't have to go home. Your friends pursuing your personal dreams more than your spouse, hanging out with the, with the guys, with the girls, right? Some of us avoid it altogether, right? Like a man cave. I love the cave. I've been on my game so much this week in particular, ain't I? That PlayStation 4 is hot right now. It's probably still on pause because it's running on pause because I got to get back and start. I don't want to lose my place. I put so many hours in the ghost of Tsunami, Shishima. I want to say Shishimi, but that's a food. <laughs> I'm too old to be playing that game if I can't say the name of it. But that's my escape. <clears throat> Anything to stop being hurt. I can win. Oh, I'm good at it now. I got all the combinations. I'm ready to go. I can clear out a whole Mongol territory. But I can't deal with her. Right? There you go. But I can't deal with her. What's wrong with me? Not because she's bad. I don't want to suffer. I want to win. Loneliness is better. You like being by yourself because it's more comfortable. That's not the kingdom principle. I've got to keep moving on. I'm throwing too much into this first point. <laughs> or we turn to relationships that we shouldn't be in that, that compromise our beliefs and sense of calling and dignity, giving out, selling out to, be, to not be lonely. Right? And we've been through the sex talk the last couple of weeks. And yes, that sex talk could have gone six weeks. Keller's like, you should keep going. Nah, because this ain't a sex talk sermon series. But you know, it takes some more time. But that, yeah, even that, what have you given up not to suffer to say no? We can't do that. I'm not, 
I'm going to have to not sleep with you. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to suffer tonight. I'm going to have to go take a cold shower or something, right? That cold going to be cold, too. Churches and revelations were dangerous places to be part of. It could mean death or poverty. You know, we won't even give to be a part of a church or people. If that means poverty or lack of popularity or it takes too much of our time, we don't want to suffer to even be church members. You know, some of you are looking for the church of no pain and no hurt. And boy, there's plenty in Charlotte. Well, not just Charlotte, everywhere. You know. You can just go to the big box store convenience church of faith. We can just go in there. It's so big. It's so organized. It's like Target. You can go in, get what you want. Nobody bothers you. Get out there, self-checkout. <laughs> I love self-checkout, don't you? You need help? Nah. I don't want nobody helping me. I want to move as quickly as I want to. And when I think of doot, 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 and it won't scan, light blink, ah, I don't want nobody. <laughs> we want people just like us, right? Think about church and the pain. You know, uh, during um, last month's Black History Month, I made a more concerted effort to reread and read a new civil rights activist and theologians and historians. And last week, I'm on an online group of African-American scholars and pastors in our denomination. And um, somebody brought this point up, and I thought it was incredible. This, this brilliant young pastor brought up this point. You know, there has been a history of people in this country, primarily black folk, mistreated. He said this, though, not just because of skin color. That's short-sighted. But because they chose to live out their faith in Christ with public resolve and love in a, and live with a love in a world that didn't like the social message of the gospel, of the Bible, and the dignity teaching of the scriptures. They were not mistreated. They were persecuted. And many martyred for their faith and belief in God and the gospel. See, when you see those films of people being mistreated and lynched and whatever or, 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 or done wrong, you're looking at the continued martyrdom of the church. Sometimes by the same people who claim to be their brothers and sisters. The suffering was worth it. Not good, but it's the call of Christianity. That when you fight for justice, when you fight for right, when, you, when you're out there doing the work of the kingdom, you will suffer and there will be pain. But it wasn't aimless. It was there. And we are afraid of being described, some of us, as progressive or mistreated by the evangelical aristocracy for being too social justice focused and not just the plain gospel of unity and not conflict. It's personal pain and suffering, avoidance and comfort we're really seeking. We're not really seeking liberation of those who are broken and hurt and poor. We're just looking for a place to be comfortable. It is very American for us to get returns, good and pleasant and satisfying returns on our investments and not dissatisfaction. Look at these verses in, verse, in verses 2 through 7. 
just says this. It says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I am telling you is true and trustworthy. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my people, my children. This picture of heaven is about satisfaction. Oh, finally. Having and being enough. Imagine that. Accepted and able to live in what is provided. The image of of a city to this group would counter a place in which there was never enough food, never enough work, never enough power, never enough of them. And we too want to live there in a city of enough. And the city and vision of heaven has dimensions, which is saying, finally, we will be able to live satisfied in the limits, finally satisfied by our place in it. But the idle comfort-free living, I mean, comfort living and suffer-free living keeps a false hope alive that somehow, hear me now, in this life, in our country, and its cities, and its offerings physically or spiritually or socially, somehow will satisfy us. And it's a lie. Somehow it'll make us content within its limits. As long as you and I are willing to push the limits of life to find it. We live and believe that if we can just get more or better or less, lesser or faster or quicker or happier, that somehow we'll be satisfied within that, that we'll find satisfaction on our own. Like I thought, if I go get a bigger new plane, that will fix it. But once I get that styrofoam planted of the eighth plane, I'll have to go get a Lord of the Rings plane, right? Dad, I don't know who planet of the apes is, <laughs> right? At our school, they got the, the upgraded version. The, no, this is what I had in the 70s. So I got to get something else that's never satisfied. Dad, can we get the one, like I have a friend at school, right? He got the $300 one that flies on the engine, right? Like he can fly his on the sky. He got a little remote never satisfied. And you know what? I would jump right in. You're right. That styrofoam one, dumb. <laughs> we want assurance. We want a guarantee. We want safety. We want knowing. We want sensuality for community, for popularity and importance. And it's always about going out and getting and being higher or drunker or richer or exclusive or righteous or, or successful, right? Nothing wrong with advancement, advancement in and of itself, but this assumption that it will satisfy your inner needs is what I'm getting at. You know what the end of trying to find satisfaction for your suffering is? Suffering <laughs> and dissatisfaction. You know, I used to, I remember when um, we were in seminary and I got my first contract to go to a church, call out a call letter. And I was like, great, yes. And I think it was $40,000 a year or something like that. 40000 yeah, woohoo. I remember we got our first house. You remember that? I was scared because it cost $100,000. 
Remember that? Yes, 100,000. We're not going to make it. It's so big. 1,400 square feet. It was so big. Nobody has a house that big. How are we going to take? We don't have enough furniture for 1,400 square feet. Remember that? Went on the curtains. Had to put the paper thing up, the sheet. In those neighborhoods, you go and you see the sheet, you be mad. What a ghetto neighborhood. Till you got to do it. <laughs> but at least we got a nice sheet. All of our sheets the same color in the window. But once you get there, it's never enough. Our house is double and a half the size. Not enough. It's enough. Too much. It's too much now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You good. Too much. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. Too much to clean. Too much to fix. Just too much. Right? Let's admit it. It's a little big for us. Especially with the 18 and 20-year-old probably going to college or whatever. Me and you. That ain't good for the marriage. We got to at least bump into each other a couple times a day. Like accidental intimacy. Oh, wow. But if you got over 3,000 square feet, you ain't going to accident. You could miss each other on purpose. Okay, that ain't part of the sermon at all. Let me move on. Let me jump ahead. But don't you know the Jones don't really exist? Are you trying to keep up with them? And here's the thing. You look over at the Jones guy. Man, I want to be like them. And then I'll be satisfied. You know how far we go? Look how happy that couple is. <laughs> you know, when, and we say it to each other, which is bad. Sometimes, you know, the way he treats his wife, man, he just seems to adore her so much. Or this and that. And there's some true lessons. I need to do better. But we always look at what other people have and think, they're happy. Look, I built this table with a thing that you could up and down, you put the ice chest in there, and now I have a drop-in fire pit on this table I built. And I looked in the backyard, and my neighbor has a full-blown built gazebo, and he got the stone one with the fire coming out. <laughs> and I looked at and I hated what I built. The Jones don't exist because the Jones ain't happy either. But boy, turn on HGTV, TLC, makeover shows, TV in general, read any newspaper, go to the mall, or see a loving couple acting romantic. <laughs> it drives us from sunup to sundown. That is suffering. It's as if the idols in and around us are working together, right? To keep us busy and thirsty and hungry and always pursuing, but really known and embraced and comforted, which is the worst thing about this and all idols they offer, false freedom from, from being dependent on God's grace. Look at the picture of heaven in here. I, I don't have to uh, reread it, um, but there's a central power and reality to it that's easy to miss. What's the key to this passage? It is in heaven, the place, the square footage. <laughs> it is in heaven, the design, with all the stuff you could ever want. I'm sure heaven has a buffet, right? Like that resort. That, okay, anyway, <laughs> though it's pretty good. It isn't happier people. They come in crying. 
It isn't the happier people because now the tears are gone, though that helps. It isn't the new clothes. It isn't the better, looser fit, heaven washed linen material, though that will do just fine. It's that his people are comforted and cherished by him in that place. Hear me. Satisfaction doesn't wipe the tears. The end of suffering doesn't comfort them. The Bible says, no, God himself wipes their tears. Do you see where heaven comes from? It says it comes from God. Not your favorite designer on HGTV. Right? Not the city planner, not the best politician. It comes from him. God himself draws them close to him. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are heaven. It is their care and comfort and relationship that bring an end to pain and end to suffering and not having all the good things all in the right place. It's just a result of God's glory being in the place. Heaven is about our need and desires being ultimately met in the Lord, not in the place. But more critically and central about God's desire that the grace of being in relationship with him will be so filled, right? I mean, and I know what y'all are saying. Nice and good, Pastor Brown. You pastors love to talk about heaven and what's coming. But what does that have to do with our measly and suffering existence here on earth? Everything. Because in the pain you feel, the tears you shed, the lack of contentment and satisfaction, guess what's still true? God alone like heaven on earth wants to be the one you need, the one you want, and the one you spend time with in your suffering, in your pain, and in your dissatisfaction. Heaven has never just been a place or thing, but a person who is in the place and the thing that makes the difference. When we seek pain-free living on our own, when we seek satisfaction in this life on our own, we get the opposite of heaven. We get a life in which the conditions and stuff and feeling make God useless or not as needed as much or somebody we call upon when we can get out of control. We actually move away from an eternal relationship and missional, his place in and with us that brings what? His will in heaven on earth and that comes by him being with us and in us. We are talking about a relationship which is necessitated and emotionally, physically motivated. Hear this. We need you, God, because we know pain. We need you, God, because we are suffering. We need you, God, because finally I'm at the place where I can't be satisfied. Oh. Now you're ready for heaven. <laughs> and heaven is God at work in you. You know, God didn't want the, the Adam and Eve to eat the tree of knowledge and good and evil and the tree of life. God doesn't want you to find heaven on earth without him. He doesn't want you to find what would satisfy it if it will mean you and he no longer need to hang out. Or you need him to hang in there. Or a suffering world no longer looks for him for hope. With, God as, with him as God and you as his child. Looking back, the plane was a blessing 
disguised in suffering. The toy plane was a blessing disguised in suffering. You know why? It made us spend time together. Tender time. Carefully handling and living a fragile and sometimes devastating life together. You know, he and I just watched and saw things fall apart over and over with a few moments of long glides. But I will tell you, the trips together down the sidewalk toward the broken plane, hand in hand with my sons, I will not trade. The times Harrison and Clark looked me in the eye and handing me the plane, because Clark came out there too, in sad confidence that I would care. And I heard them and saw them, I won't trade that. In the suffering of it all, they look to me and they talk with me about the disappointment of it all and how together we should walk toward one solution, one final plan of one day getting this thing fixed or getting something new. And Harrison said something profound to me when he saw and sensed me getting tired of seeing it crash and break, afraid that I will leave him because of it. He says, I like this broken plane, Daddy. I like that it comes apart. This is fun. No, it wasn't ideal, but what he was really saying was, Daddy, my true satisfaction in this whole thing, even though tearful, is that you're with me in it, that we are spending time together, and that I'm being touched through it. The reason we drop out of life and look for satisfaction in life is because we haven't known or lived in this life in the hope of powerful, transformative relationship with him. Look at verse 6 in the end here. Close. It says here, And he said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water life. Jesus came to be God, flying a broken plane with us. Knowing he's giving us this, calling us this, keeping us in this. Because the question was, Jesus, when you leave, can we go with you? And he says, no, you're going to stay here. And in this life, you have trials and tribulations. Jesus said it. But he wants us. Jesus came to be God flying a broken plane with us, experience and seeing and knowing our pain. But he, was, he is also by the Holy Spirit that drink in the thirst for satisfaction and comfort that is with us now, comforting us and quenching us in prayer, the scriptures, the fellowship and community and grace of his church and in the tiring hard work of seeking justice and hope and freedom for others with this fact. In pain and suffering and dissatisfaction, the Father is yours and you are his. The Father wants to be with you. The Father wants to, you to be with, to want him and know how bad he wants to take away the disappointment of things. He wants to stop looking to and living in the fear of discomfort and suffering. And so a saving and loving relationship with him is the final picture. I promise you, it'll never end. It'll never end. I mean, never fade and never disappoint in its ability to one day heal and take all the pain away. I'm really afraid to say this because I don't want it to be true for me, but I think it is true for us. In the darkest times, in the suffering and the pain, 
I know a lot of Christians won't tell you this. And a lot of messages in churches won't tell you this. It's not at the top of the mountain that you know God the deepest. It's in the suffering that you feel his hands on your face. Sometimes it's in the pain when you feel his arms on you. It's in those places that you can actually hear his voice and yours is silent. It is in those places. You know, people say to me, Pastor Brown, if only we could have miracles like the Bible. The miracles of life happen in places of suffering. Places where we go where there's injustice and darkness and people are suffering and we give in to give that dignity to them in Christ Jesus. A miracle happens there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. That suffering and pain in this world has been transformed by Jesus into a purpose and a plan to see people liberated, to see us liberated into your arms, into your hope. Lord, no, it isn't pleasant. And yes, Lord, we look to heaven, but help us to look to heaven now, which is in you. And when we go to heaven, it'll be in you too, <laughs> even there. Help us, Lord, not to give in when others need us when you're calling us missionally to a broken world, help us, Lord, to remember the end is you and the power is you. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Help us, Lord, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.